And so just like I was telling teachers, you need to accept yourself. You need to have this good relationship with yourself. You have to accept your students right where they are. You don't need to say, stay there, but you have to say, okay, this is where you are. We're going to move you. We're going to guide you, but you are okay being you right now. Don't feel like you're not enough or you're this score or you're destined for this. You're good. We're just going to kind of get you on your path to whatever you think you are going to be and what you want to be. Welcome to Get Schooled, student stories from across Kentucky, brought to you by the Pritchard Committee Student Voice Team. I'm the executive producer, Zoe Jenkins. So our plan for this semester was to cover school climate and all of its nuances. But one thing that we don't think about nearly enough is the role of teachers in creating school climate. Today, we are bringing you a conversation with founder of Ignite, hashtag love in schools, teacher at the Success Academy, and my elementary school principal, Joel Cotty. We're going to be talking about the role of teachers in school climate and student voice, and also get a better look into the world of alternative education. Before we begin, though, a bit of a content warning. While Mr. Cotty and I are talking about the role of acceptance, especially at alternative schools, we do touch on his experience with suicide and suicide prevention. So if these are sensitive subjects for you, feel free to skip that part of the episode, and I'll have a warning closer too. Let's get into the discussion. So, um, Mr. Cotty, um, I just kind of wanted to talk to you, I think, just about your work in schools. Um, you do a lot of work with school climate from a teacher perspective, and the student voice team does a lot of work with school climate from a student perspective. So I think there are a lot of things we can explore about, I guess, the synergy between the two, if that makes sense. Yeah. If you would like to talk a little bit more about what you do, I think that would be really great. Yeah, so... In 2015, I created this professional learning experience called Ignite, hashtag love in schools. And it's hard to explain what it all is, but three big parts of it are relationships. Um, Dr. Daggett's rigor, relevance, relationships over the last 30 years has been a really important part of teacher development and, and teacher commitment. But I feel like the relationship part gets pushed off to the side and we just hope it happens. And so district leadership, uh, school leaderships, you know, say relationships, let's do relationships. But then it's just a matter of in the whirlwind of the school day, what does that look like? How does it happen? And we just kind of hope the stars align and these, these great connections happen and they don't. So what I'm trying to do is create uh, first a training. So teachers are more equipped on how to develop deep connecting relationships but also um, just have them be more present in the moment. And it's really hard because the demands of teachers are so great and their to-do list is so long that they're often thinking about all the things that they have to do or worried about the things they haven't quite done that they're not present with the kids and they're, they're just not there. So, um, but it's also working with school leadership to say, you know what, building relationships with colleagues in, in staff meetings and PLC department meetings you have to carve out time and commit to that too. And, and not everybody knows how to do that. But then the other part that I'm really excited about with the relationship piece is I get to go into some schools and do 
student assemblies. So I was really mm -hmm. honored that Marshall County Schools, uh, we know what they've been through the last two plus years. Um, they asked me to do their opening day keynote for teachers. And then they brought me back a few months later to do student assemblies. And I was really honored mm -hmm. by that because I think where Ignite Hashtag Love in Schools is most effective is when the teachers are more relationship ready and they have more tools, but the kids are too. And so every relationship is two-sided and I don't want kids to just be like, well, I'm waiting for my teacher to you know, create this experience and build this connection. It really is about you too, each student, what you bring. So really it's moment by moment. Every kid has a voice every moment and that shapes the experience and interaction. So the student voice, hey, I'm not sure if you're aware, but we do school climate audits. So we go okay. into schools and we do like surveys and roundtables and individual interviews with students, faculty and staff and administrators um, to try and I guess compile a report on what that school climate is like. And so there are a lot of like professional firms that go in and do this, but then oftentimes students don't get to see the data. And so what we've been doing is that we've been providing this for free and then giving it to the students first and then also giving it to people who work at the school. And one thing that we found, and I think you hit on this perfectly, is that you need relationships for a school to function and that that's very much a two-way street. And so what kind of um, suggestions do you give to teachers to help build relationships from their side? And then what would you suggest for students to build it the other way as well? Great question. So first, I'll hit on one of the other parts of Ignite Hashtag Love in Schools, and that's work-life harmony, just balance, taking care of yourselves. So unfortunately, when teachers are not at their best and they're stressed and overwhelmed and you know maybe having stress at home or maybe having health issues or mental health issues, it's hard for them to be present. It's hard for them to be building those deep connections. So that, that second part is I really work closely with teachers on helping them take care of themselves first. And, um, you know, we talk about relationships. One of the things you'll hear anytime I give a keynote or a professional learning experience, I said, the most important relationship is the one you have with yourself. And before you can fully love and lead others, you have to be fully loving and leading yourself. And teachers mm -hmm. are off on themselves. They have high expectations. They say, well, I should do this. I need to do this or I gotta do this. And they're not pausing and saying, you know what? All right, this is who I am. I'm doing this well. I know I need to grow in this area, but really helping them stop to celebrate their own unique gifts and talents and then finding ways for those to emerge in the classroom or the school, school day experience. That's where there's this real explosion. So I want teachers to one, obviously work on achieving, I like saying work-life harmony because balance is, I think of balancing plates and it's just so hard, they're gonna come crashing down, but you can get to a, more, a better place where you're, you're more in flow in that way. But then um, I really try to help teachers dream. You know, remember you used to walk under at my school, every day you walked under something that said dream chasers. And I tried to build that not only for every one of my students, but for my teachers too because they're so good at taking care of others, their students, their colleagues, their families, sometimes they don't take care of themselves and they don't dream. And I always look for ways where they can dream during the school day, they can develop their skills and talents and experiences that maybe move them closer to their dream. But I think 
modeling that is so important to students. So I'm trying to get teachers to show more of who they are in the school day beyond just a teacher, right? You're watching mm-hmm. your teachers so closely, you're listening and you're, you know them almost better than they know themselves sometimes. And I, I, I want them to say, look, you're a teacher and you're this, and you're this, and you're this, because that's what we really want you to be that. We want you someday to find a profession or occupation that you just love, but we also want you to be this and that and that. So the best way, um, I think, is for teachers to be more open and vulnerable and say, this is my goal, this is my dream, I'm, I'm trying, I'm failing. Um, It just makes them feel more real. Um, But then from the student perspective, uh, my best advice is don't wait, right? Like what you said, it's two-way street. It's 50-50. Yes, you're the student, but you can bring out the best in your teacher. So student voice to me is more than just words, right? It's your eyes looking up and lighting up a room. It's the energy. That's the third part of what we do. Like each of us, each student, each teacher has to own the energy that we bring to the room, that we bring through the hallways. We have to hear it. We can point the finger and say, well, he won't or the administration doesn't and I can't but you choose the energy you bring. So my best advice to students is don't wait, you know, make eye contact with the teacher, ask him or her a question about their life or their weekend, or, you know, um, you know, a time that they struggled or just you open the door. Mm -hmm. And um, I really believe that students can actually lead some teachers in the relationship. One of my favorite accomplishments recently was uh, an old teacher of mine. He he would kill me for saying that. He's not that old. He's in his 60s. Um, And uh, a high school teacher, he reached out to me. He's a math teacher. And he said, said, um, I didn't save a lot of things. I just recently retired. But I wanted you to know I saved a card that you wrote me. Hmm. And I had forgotten that I had wrote a card to him. And he shared it with me. And it was about a time where he saw some of the star basketball players smoking cigars. Mm. And he called them out and they got suspended. It was a big deal in our school culture. And I know he took a lot of heat for that from certain Mm -hmm. people. And I just wrote him a note that said, wow, that was a tough thing to do. You did the right thing. Um, you know, thank you for modeling integrity or something like that. <laughs> he kept that for 20 some years. And so I, my advice to students is if something moves you, do it. You write that note, affirm your teachers, because you have no idea what kind of impact that will be. So while we are the student voice team, a lot of student voice isn't possible without teacher voice as well. And while we can try and embed teacher and student voice, through a policy or a macro lens, those seats at the table don't mean anything if we're not giving teachers and students the agency to truly speak their mind. So a lot of Mr. Cotty's work is helping teachers overcome what we at the Student Voice Team and a lot of people refer to as learned helplessness, where we're just content and think that it's not our place to speak. But a lot of what Ignite does is helping teachers realize that their voice matters. And wherever you are in faith, you have to know we are made up of four dimensions, mind, body, heart, and spirit. And there's a, a spiritual dimension that that is in us. It, it's part of the essence of who we are, but it's also what steers us and drives us. So 
my biggest commitment to teacher voice is having them listen and move on the spirit when it moves them. So whatever that is, if it's an instinct, if it's a voice, if it's a nudge that says, you know what, I need to go talk to my department chair about this, or I need to go have this conversation with my principal, or you know what, I'm just gonna put my thoughts down on paper and I might this might become a blog. Say yes to that. That, that instinct is important and that's what needs to lead you. So most times, and I'm guilty of this too, we tend to say, we tend to ignore it. Like, oh no, mm -hmm. not now. Or maybe when summer happens or maybe after my grad classes or maybe when I retire, we kind of push it off. But mm -hmm. I, I, I tell stories and I do reflections and activities to help teachers get in the habit of moving on that spirit more, moving on their instincts. So to me, that leads to the big things that you're talking about. If you are just saying, no, I'm just gonna do this and here's what I do, but there's so much um, experience and ideas or passion, um, or who knows, it just might be part of the journey. If something, so many times your instincts lead you to the next best thing. And if you mm -hmm. don't venture out there, we never reach that potential or experience those opportunities. So um, I don't know. I hope that helps because mm -hmm. I, I'm yeah. so, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of teachers, right? I love my mm -hmm. teachers that I work with. I love the teachers that I supported as an administrator. Um, so I want them to have the biggest stage possible. And that's one of the exciting things about this time. I think teachers are, parents are like, whoa, this is hard teaching my child. Ooh, this is, you know, so mm -hmm. there's been sort of um, some affirmation acknowledgement, but I'm also saying, don't, don't wait for the stage. Just, just move on every moment and see where it leads you, your classroom and your school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also that's kind of, I think a lot of ways, the backbone of student voice. Cause I think we see that with students who think, Oh, well, I'm just going to be in the school for a couple mm -hmm. of years. It's not my place to say that we should do things differently. Or things like that. And so um, I think just, I guess, I, I love what you're doing and helping teachers to unlock that because I really do think like what you said, that teachers can model that for students. So if teachers are, feel more empowered to take a stand for what they believe in or what they think needs to change, then I think students will start to follow suit and support that as well. Yeah. And, and I, I would really urge students not to think about just their time because we're all building on each other's experience. And the culture of schools is not, it is decades in the making. It is in the yes. walls, it is in the DNA, it's in, you know, it's everywhere. So mm -hmm. it's, we're better when we build off of what was before us. So I don't know if you remember, but before the Metathorpe renovation, um, we had a homecoming experience and we invited all the past teachers and past students and neighbors to come go through the school one more time before it was mm -hmm. torn down. And we had teachers in their seventies and eighties. And I'll tell this story. Um, it just shows you how much teachers love teaching. Uh, they were, there were six of them and they're all sitting in the front office. And one said, do you all still get the urge to set up your classroom every August? And, and five of them nodded yes. And the oldest one there, she was in her mid eighties. She's like, no, 
I lost that urge a couple of years ago. <laughs> so it's just so much a part of who they were. Love and passion for your school is really integral when trying to create a strong school climate. And a great way that a lot of us know to create that kind of love and passion for your school is through traditions and creating a culture surrounding excellence and acceptance. So a big part of my Metathorpe education, which I still remember so fondly, was the fact that Metathorpe was a leader in me school, meaning that the seven habits developed by Stephen Covey were an integral part of our curriculum and just the way that our school life operated. And Mr. Carter is going to get into a little bit more, but really it was the passion behind what Metathorpe meant and what that identity was that created such a strong school climate. We tried to grab the best of whatever was Metathorpe and just build on that. And so you remember, we stole some traditions from the 60s. Like they, the, the first office staff paid with their own money to have that bell. So they would ring the bell, mm -hmm. students could come home from lunch. Back then they could go to lunch. Mm -hmm. But then it evolved to this, this thing where when really good things happened at the school, whether it was life related or academic related, students and teachers would go out and ring the bell and let the neighborhood know something awesome just happened. And so we started that tradition and you may mm -hmm. remember that. So students, it could have been for football, they were undefeated for football that fall, they rang the bell or it was an academic goal. But also you remember things like fifth grade promotion, people were lining mm -hmm. up and ringing the bells and just kind of marking time and celebrating those. Mm -hmm. So that's just an example of, I really encourage teachers and students not to just look within the time that you're there, but also look back and you know what, sift through stuff, go in the basements. Uh, when I was a teacher at Waterford Union High School for Spirit Day, I went all out and I give that advice to teachers too. Don't, don't miss a Spirit Day, just go big. Uh, even if it's not your thing, your, your students are gonna love you even more for stepping mm -hmm. out and, and, and being vulnerable. But I went into the, the deep, deep uh, bowels of our school and I found all these old school uniforms, um, uh, like sports uniforms, like from every decade, 40, 50, 60s. Now I wore the 50s basketball. So, you know, I wouldn't get away with that today, but I had short shorts and a tight tank top. And, you know, for school colors day, I wore that. But then kids came up to me. They said, Mr. Cotty where did you find that? And I said, well, I found this. And they're like, oh, we want some of that. So student council went down there with me and box by box, we pulled up old cross country blazers. We had softball stirrups, pants. And for a quarter, uh, the student council sold any article of clothing that you wanted. And so uh, what was cool is every basketball game that year, the student section was filled and you just looked it was like every sport every decade everybody was just you know wearing their school spirit mm -hmm. and uh the girls basketball team ended up going to the state championship so they wore all that you know with the big game and it was just it just it just added to it so uh, you know what it took a kid to say where'd you get that and how do I get some of that and it just it went from there so yeah, I'll say I think um, just having a strong school culture is definitely one of the highlights of what I remember from being at Metathorpe, whether it was like the seven habits or just like leadership day or the bell. Like I just, I vividly remember those things. And I think that that, 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 that just contributes to how good you feel at being like being at a school. Cause that's something that I've not seen 
at I think any of the other schools that I've been to is such a strong sense of like school pride and culture and school oh. pride doesn't have to come from you know huge pep rallies it can just be little things like when good things happen we always go outside and ring the bell or you know that this will always happen or we always follow these um, kind of guidelines around the school so I think those are yeah. just really huge things. Well, thank so you thank for you. saying that. It, well, thank you. It was always my goal that students would walk into the building and say, whoa, I get to go to school here. I get to have this experience, but I also get to shape the experience for myself. And so one of my favorite days that, you know, we said, just come as you are, come as you will be, you know, what is that future job that you want? And I remember a student and he, um, he didn't like school and he didn't have good school experience. He was struggling. And one day, that day he came and he threw his backpack against the wall in the front foyer and he just kind of slumped down, leaned against the wall and he pulled out his sketch pad and he started drawing. And so breakfast passed, kids went to class, a couple of teachers and I were like, okay, well, what are you doing here? He's like, well, you said I could come as I will be and here I am. And I said, well, what are you? He said, I'm a street artist. And I said, all right, I'm going to let you be a street artist today. And so most of the day, he just sat in that front foyer. We still had eyes on him and he just drew. And he, we knew he was a talented artist. But one by one, the kids in their lines were walking by. The teachers were walking by and they were affirming him saying, oh, wow. Wow, you are good. You are an artist. And so part of what I was trying to create was a place where look, we get messages all the time. Your score is this, or you're not this, or you need to be this or that. But I think if schools really work, because so there's, there's three parts to the foundation of building and ignite hashtag love in school, school, unconditional love, and what comes with that is unconditional respect, but also acceptance. And so just like I was telling teachers, you need to accept yourself. You need to have this good relationship with yourself. You have to accept your students right where they are. You don't need to say, stay there, but you have to say, okay, this is where you are. We're going to move you. We're going to guide you, but you are okay being you right now. Don't feel like you're not enough or you're this score or you're destined for this. You're good. We're just going to kind of get you on your path to whatever you think you are going to be and what you want to be. So um, I just always try to build a place of acceptance and you know what? We did see a very different version of that student after that day where it's like, mm -hmm. okay, he's known, right? Teachers, mm -hmm. you have to know your students and students want to be known. You know, you might have, I don't know, 35 students in a classroom. Every yeah. one of your classmates and you want to be known, whether or not you say it or advocate for yourself, you want to be known and need to be known. Like, I'm gonna see you and I'm gonna see your potential until you see it in yourself. And I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to know you. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, even though I had 600 students, yeah, at Metathorpe, I wanted each one to say, you know what? He knows me. He gets me. He believes in me. He's going to be part of, you know, a team that, that gets me destined to great things. Um, but I think that word acceptance is a, is, a, is a big part of what I build in a school culture. Another big part of Mr. Cody's education journey has been his work with alternative schools. I know I speak for myself and the majority of students who have only experienced A1 or quote-unquote normal schools that we make a lot of assumptions about the kind of students and the kind of learning that happens at an alternative school. 
What a lot of us don't see is the purpose of alternative schools as a place of acceptance, not punishment. In many A1 schools, mine included, if a student decided they didn't want to go to class and instead sit in the hallway being a sketch artist, they would have been sent to safe or suspended because that's not acceptable behavior. Alternative schools, as Mr. Cotty will explain, are schools that meet students where they are, which in many ways is the way A1 schools should be operating as well. I graduated in January and um, a school that I did my student teaching at hired me in February to do a long-term sub-job for the rest of the school year. And it was a middle school for a classroom. They called it Alternative Tracks. And it was for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade students that were not special ed, but they weren't functioning well in a classroom. And they put them all in one classroom. And this teacher had to teach sixth, seventh, eighth grade every subject. And she was struggling. Her blood pressure was near 300. She didn't come back for the whole year. So I was that teacher from February to the end of the school year. And I think that fundamentally shaped my education philosophy and every experience I've had since. And so acceptance was a key part of that. When I came in, I looked at the grade book. They were all getting 28, 32, you know, nothing above 40%. And that was in that classroom. So I knew immediately they had to know, okay, it's okay. I accept you where you are, but you have to experience success. And I believe success breeds success. You have to get it. You, you need some, some positive momentum here. But the, the thing I took the most from that experience was that, and, and then I'll, I can talk about some of my other alternative experiences, but the beautiful thing is that you don't typically have 35 students in a classroom you might have eight, you might have 15. Um, But I remember sitting on the floor helping a student with his work and I was 23 then. He plunked his shoulder, his head on my shoulder and he said, Mr. Cotty, you are like the big brother I always wished I had. And that connection, I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, we're, we're gonna move mountains here with that. But I knew that you have to have that connection. And um, so every experience after that, I tried to connect with every one of my students. But the other important part of alternative schools is I would really challenge people not to stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, right now I'm at the Success Academy and I love this opportunity. I'm so grateful our district is investing in us and giving us this experience. But people you know, are trying to say, well, who's there? What are they doing? What they're like? But I have some students who have extreme anxiety, Mm -hmm. right? We're not always thinking about, well, this kind of student or this kind of students. So just walking into a school building of 2000 students or walking into a classroom of 35 students, it sort of freezes them up and paralyzes Mm -hmm. them. So the fact that they can come into this school and a staff is there to instantly know them and rally and support them their brain is already functioning differently. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but I also think... um, Interrupting just to say that this is the part of the episode where we're going to be talking about suicide. If you'd rather not hear this part of the episode, feel free to skip one minute. You know, something that I sometimes speak on in my assemblies and and my professional development is is I'm I'm very passionate about... um, suicide prevention. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes I talk about my dad, he passed away in 2009 and he completed suicide. Uh, 
And so it is something that's a very important part of the work that I do. Um, but we have to have different experiences, different choices and alternatives for students who are struggling. Um, our suicide rates are going up. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was really sad to see the last year um, we had elementary school students in this in our area that mm -hmm. completed suicide. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to give a shameless plug. Mm -hmm. But yes. um, you're the first person I'm announcing this with. So I hope this is, I hope this is, um, these are images from an artist named Tuska. And he taught art at the University of Kentucky for I think over 30 years. And he passed away in 1998. And I recently connected with his son, Seth Tuska, who is trying to um, really preserve and, and highlight his dad's legacy. And together we created a children's book. And in the next month, it should be out. And it's called Finding You at the Zoo. And his dad went to the Washington DC Zoo in 1973 and came back and just did all these sketches. So I had to write a story from the sketches backwards. Oftentimes writers will write a story and then somebody will illustrate it. So I had to look at these sketches and write it backwards. Um, but I think one of the themes in that book that I'm most proud of is that wherever we are, there, there's an energy, there's an essence that we can give to others. Um, but also, it's just really important that you know yourself, and you're okay with yourself, and you need to live in the present moment and go. And so mm -hmm. um, I wrote it with sort of the fourth, fifth graders in mind, but it certainly applies to middle school, high school, and really the adult learner too. Mm -hmm. um, so um, something to watch for, but I also, I'm hoping it hits on that part that mm -hmm. if, if ever a student is in that position where they're contemplating suicide, that, that part stirs in them and says, you know what, it's okay now, I am this and I will be this and I need to keep going. Um, those, those are one of the themes in there, but um, yeah, thanks for letting me plug that book. Oh yes, of course. Um, yeah, so I guess um, I guess another question I have too about um, I guess at, like working at alternative schools that how would you compare the school climates at those schools compared to maybe I guess like a like a typical high school because I mean it's it's a similar I mean it's the same goal like it's teachers teaching students so that they can succeed but I guess at an alternative I guess at an alternative school, regardless of what like the purpose of that alternative is, there's definitely, I guess, a stronger intent to create acceptance. And so would you say that those schools feel more accepting because there's more like effort put into making sure that those students feel accepted? Yeah, you're asking really good questions. And I would say, um, you know, and, I, and so to give you a little bit of background, I've also was the administrator over the school in the detention center day treatment center, family care center, and our district used to have a, a program called suspension alternative program. And um, so I would say the main difference is relationships first, connection first, trust first. Not much happens if you don't start there. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's a bad formula for regular A1 schools either. Relationships, connection, trust first. And early in my career, um, early 2000s, I saw a Wisconsin Teacher of the Year speak. And he was a drama teacher. 
And he spoke and I, I really grabbed onto it and I made that commitment in, in my classrooms and schools that I led. Um, he said he took the first two weeks to just mm -hmm. to get to know the kids and to play with the kids. They did role playing, they did games. They just, he just created this experience. And I remember somebody raised her hand and said, well, how did you teach all the content? Like, how could you start and be two weeks behind? He said, we sailed through the content and then some. Once I knew the kids, they knew me. We had this classroom experience where they were just dying to be there. He said, you can move mountains. And so that's, we struggle as educators because we feel like there's never enough time. And so sometimes by sacrificing time, you save time and you create time because you know what, if you create the experience in your classroom or school where it's like, I'm not, I'm not the teacher doing it all myself. You empower mm -hmm. kids to lead, you empower kids to do tasks. Um, you remember, I used to say, you know what, 60 some percent of what teachers do all day long, kids can do. So let them do it teachers. Mm -hmm. I told my teachers, you're working too hard. I want you going home with so much extra energy and a bounce in your step and you're skipping out the door to go home to your passions mm -hmm. and families. And I want the kids to go home so tired because they work so hard. <laughs> and I believe we flipped that. But I think mm -hmm. if people are watching schools today, oh gosh, our teachers, they are killing it. They are waking yeah. up early. They're staying late. They're working weekends, working holidays. And I think if they step back and say, wait a minute, I want to create this classroom experience. So I'm going to have, oh, this, this group of kids is really exceptional when it comes to this. I'm going to let them lead. I'm going to let them do. You can actually create time. But I, I would say on the front end, you got to commit that. So going back to alternative schools, mm -hmm. we don't feel that kind of pressure with, um, we've been gifted time, right? Just the fact that we have 15 students per class instead of 35, that alone is gifted time, right? I'm not, mm -hmm. there's 20 extra papers, I'm not grading, um, entering grades 20, and, and it's 20 less students that I have to get to know and, and, and connect with. Um, so I would say that's the biggest difference as far as what alternative schools have going for them as far as school culture. And uh, so I think when you're talking about results, it, it's, it stands out every day, mm -hmm. right? You know, so you know when they're walking in the door um, how they're doing because they're not blending in with 35. They might be, you know, in a, in, you know, having a little check-in chat with me in a circle of eight. And mm -hmm. so I'm going to look him or her in the eyes and, and know instantly where they are. And so... Um, there's really no hiding out, if that makes sense. You know, mm -hmm. the data, the yeah. results, the performance, you know, we're, we see you <laughs> every day, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I think the big connection, and you know, we did this in elementary school together, is connecting them to a path, connecting them to a future, a profession, a career um, that they believe they can do. And so, mm -hmm. um, I'm a big believer that students can't be what they can't see. And so I want them to have these experiences. So that's another blessing, a very big difference between alternative schools. It's easier to go on field trips. We can hop in mm -hmm. the vans, we can go on a bus, we can take 15 of you here, we can do that. And so um, I think the, the good alternative schools take advantage of getting their kids out of the classroom, getting their hands on things, 
letting them listen to other mentors and, and um, professionals in the community and just kind of letting them sample and until finally they say, Ooh, that's me. I can do that. I see myself doing that. Uh, so I think that's another important difference is that most alternative schools try to make it more experiential, connecting them to the community and then hopefully careers that they say, okay, I can do that. Because once they see that, um, they can begin learning and developing certifications or going to school for it. But if they don't believe it in themselves, they're sort of just kind of kind of hanging out and, and, and wondering where they're going to end up instead of taking mm -hmm. an active role and saying, oh, I get to design my life. I get to design my future. I'm going to write my story from here. And I think a big part going back to that acceptance is alternative schools work really, really hard to say, you are not your path. And if we're honest, we've all made mistakes and we've all struggled. And, it, it, you know, so sometimes we assume, you know, our teachers had great childhoods or great lives. And part of that honest and vulnerability is to say, look, no, I struggled. And my struggles made me stronger and it motivated me to do this. And so um, I like to reference the book uh, by David Gladwell. Oh, I'm sorry, Malcolm Gladwell called David and Goliath. and he helps people realize that the underdogs are not the underdogs. David was not an underdog. He was a boy and he went to this battle with Goliath with no um, armor. And if he was gonna fight the way Goliath fought, he was going to get squashed. But mm -hmm. he showed up with a weapon that he was very skilled at. So he was not the underdog, but we have to have students realize what they show up with and to go at it their way and so um it's a wonderful book but i i help my students say look these the, the fact that you're here and you're persevering you are strong mm -hmm. and you've yeah. developed ways to read the room and communicate and just you know develop grit and resilience that other kids haven't so first mm -hmm. of all know that and that actually that doesn't make you an underdog that puts you as the favorite because life is going to be hard and tough things are going to happen and you're not going to fall and not get up because your whole life you have been getting up unfortunately sometimes students who have been highly successful when they fall for the first time mm -hmm. they really struggle getting up yeah. so there's sort of an old proverb that says the stronger the breeze the stronger the tree and so I want all my alternative students to say, well, first of all, um, you're, you're good. You, you are strong. Mm -hmm. You are tough. You've got skills that other people don't have. And yeah, maybe your journey has been tough, but um, it's only going to lead you to better things. And so it's a real important mind shift to help them see that in mm -hmm. themselves. Well, Zoe, what you did when you reached out to me, and, and we've connected over the years, even beyond elementary school, but that is one of the things that I tell both students and teachers, you have to come back and give back. Teachers, mm -hmm. we go, so we get, you know, Mark Twain said, you can go two weeks on a good compliment. I swear teachers can go two months on a good reconnection with a past student that we know is succeeding and shining brightly. So the fact that you reach out to me, you have no idea what that means to me. But that's also my last message is students listening, 
and teachers listening, um, plant the seed. So I just had two students at Success Academy a couple of weeks ago. I said, look, you're going to graduate, but you're going to come back and give back. And by the way, and I hope I hope Superintendent Kalk, if you're listening, you're okay with this. <laughs> I said, when we get back into our new building and we have that gym and the walking track and the weight room, you have a lifetime pass, but you just have to come back and mentor another student and, you know, say, you know what, listen to Mr. Cotty. Yeah, sometimes he's a little passionate, a little crazy, and you just got to trust him. He knows what he's doing. He believes mm-hmm. in he's going to get you there. Um, I said, but you have to come back and give back to other students. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people, they don't mind letting themselves down. But if a student knows how important it is that the students come back and say, thank you, Mr. Cotty, or you made a difference, Mr. Cotty, or you know what, I'm going to help your students, you know, see this. Um, Sometimes that moves them because they want to help others sometimes more than they want to help themselves. So Mm -hmm. that's my last bit of advice is teachers, you have to advertise what you want. You have to advocate and say, you know what, write me a card, write me a letter, look me up on Zoom, you know, uh, but I want you to make sure that someday you come back and give back, whether it's to Mm -hmm. me or some, somebody in our school. Um, And, and just plant that seed that you can do that. But teacher students and say, you know what, don't wait till May for teacher appreciation week, sprinkle those in throughout the year. You know what, Mm -hmm. every once in a while, if you can see my body language, I've had a tough weekend, or I'm not quite myself, will you drop me a note? Like, if that's important to you, drop me, tell them that. So then again, teachers, you can advertise and advocate for your needs. Please do stay connected and let me know how I can help you and Mm -hmm. and the leadership teams that you're on. Um, I admire the work you're doing and um, thank you for this opportunity. Yes, thank you so much for talking to me and talking on our podcast. I'm sure this is going to only be the first of many conversations. Ah, I would love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Get Schooled. Please subscribe, share the episode, and leave a review. Also, be sure to follow the Student Voice Team on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PC Voice Team. Also, if you want to connect more with Joel, please check him out at his website, joelcotty.com, Cotty spelled K-A-T-T-E, and on Twitter and Instagram at IgniteLovePD. Also, be sure to check out our blog, studentvoiceforum.org, where we'll be posting a Teacher Appreciation Week post, and we'd love for you to check it out. Do you want to share with us how COVID-19 and social distancing are affecting your education? You can share video and audio clips with us at getschooledpod at gmail.com or through Instagram. Now, as I mentioned earlier, next week is Teacher Appreciation Week, and although that should really be every single week, make sure to reach out to your educators and thank them for all of their hard work, especially during this crisis. Make sure to stay safe and stay healthy, and we'll see you all next time for another episode of Get Schooled. Thank you.